Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today on the Sandro Forte podcast, I'm joined by the rather wonderful Chief People Officer at Aviva, and her name is Danny Harmer. Danny leads Aviva's global people and culture strategy and is passionate, really passionate, about supporting their people and keeping things simple for them so they can focus on putting their customers at the heart of everything they do. Before joining Aviva, Danny was the Chief People Officer at Metro Bank for over seven years. My mortgage is with them. During that time, Metro Bank was consistently recognised as providing market-leading service through its unique approach to people and to culture. Danny, Danny Harmer, thank you so much for joining me on the Sandro Forte podcast. We've been chatting uh, for about 10 minutes prior to uh, this going live today. And I have to say, I, I know, as a matter of fact, this is going to be a lot of fun today because we are going to go in a million different directions. I'm, I'm really interested, of course, to know more about you and, and all the people listening around the world, because there's lots of them are very interested to know more about you, and I'm, I'm going to hand that over to you in a moment. But um, I, I, I love this whole concept of culture in, in, a, in a community, in a, in a business community in particular, and it's actually a subject matter we haven't really spoken about on the podcast before. So you are going to enlighten us, no doubt, as to uh, what makes great teams function, what makes businesses successful from within. So without stealing your thunder, allow me to hand the floor, the microphone, as it were, to you and ask you to share with us, you know, who you are, where you come from and, and why you find yourself doing what you're doing right now. Okay, thank you. And lovely to be here as well. Um, uh, so uh, who I am, Danny Harmer, Chief People Officer at Aviva, you covered that beautifully. Um, uh, why, I, why I do what I do and what I'm doing. So I went into retail banking, like, you know, really out of university, went to a small trade finance house, then went into retail banking, did various roles in retail banking, sort of operational and district manager and that sort of stuff. And um, uh, a boss, I had a new boss come, a new regional director, and he said, you know, what do you want to do with your career? And I said, I think I'd be really good at this HR stuff. He was like, why? And I said, because the way I run my area is that, you know, I've got, I've got lots of colleagues who are all brilliant, but their approach tends to be, you know, what have you delivered today? How are you against your target? How are you going to hit your target? What's going? Whereas my approach was always right. How do we put the best people in the best place, set them up to win? If we're really good at savings in Richmond, who's our best savings advisor? If we're really good at personal loans in Hounslow, who's our best personal loans advisor? Put the people in the right place, share the targets across the team in a sensible way. We always know who our next branch manager is. We always know who our next financial advisor is. We always know who our next assistant manager is. Hiring, talent, succession, resource planning to make sure we're covered at the peaks for our customers. All of those inputs are actually the things that make us successful and enable us to give our customers great advice and service. So I always used to come at stuff from that perspective. And I said to him, I think that someone should give me an HR job. And oh, honestly, God love him. He did. <laughs> Um, so uh, we were making some changes at work and we were reorganizing um, the footprints of the regions. 
And I mean, to this day, uh, he's now, he's now a, a great friend and, you know, I couldn't thank him enough, but he, I was eight months pregnant with my second child, Theo. And he said, I need to pop around and see you. Now, when your boss asked to see you when, you know, at home at night, when you're eight months pregnant, I was still working. I was like, oh my God, the world has stopped. Something dramatically awful is going to happen. And um, he said, look, we're changing the regions around. It means there's another job for a regional head of HR. Um, do you want it? I was like, yes. I said, there's a small problem, you know, pointing at my incredibly large stomach. He said, don't worry, we'll cover it. I, I, so, I mean, how can you not fall in love with someone who, who does that? Um, so then went into HR, did some HR, partnered him, various other HR roles at um, HBOS and Lloyds, went back into the business as a regional director for a little bit, uh, just to remind me, remind me about the coalface and what it's all about and actually what what I should be enabling. Um, then went to Barclays Metro Bank, which I know we talked about briefly, will always have it. It's a very special business. The customer ethos and the way it runs through the DNA is something really, really special and magical. And everyone who's been involved in Metro Bank um, in its journey so far has played a part in that. And then um, joined Aviva uh, February 2020. Again, you know, Aviva is just a a fabulous brand and our people who are on the front line supporting customers, their ethos about doing the right thing for the customer and the, the lengths they'll go. If you think about Aviva as an insurer, generally when we're having conversations with customers, it's probably a, a, a quite a difficult moment rather than a rather than a happy moment. And our people are, you know, some of the calls I listen to, our people are amazing. Uh, and that's me. Oh, mother of three. If you want to know my proudest achievement, mother of three. <laughs> I was just about to ask you about that again at the top of the podcast. We talked about, uh, you know, and, and I love the fact that you go out as a family every Sunday without fail. Um, and it, and it seems to me, Danny, that everything you do in business, you replicate in life. I mean, I think the two things work hand in hand, you know, you, you clearly are what you preach to others. Let me, let me put it like that to you. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about, um, well, <clears throat> excuse me, HR, you, you mentioned HR, the kind of stereotype of HR people, HR managers. Most people go, oh God, here we go, groan, roll, roll one's eyes. I love the fact that you are called a chief people officer. Why, why is that? Why, why the distinction? Um, because it seems to me, uh, and, and I'm speaking as a layman here, it seems to me that HR has moved on an awful lot. I'm thinking of uh, big companies like Google, who seem to have, you know, uh, transcended HR and, and, and turned amazing or, or created amazing working spaces and have really started to focus on the, the staff, the team experience, as well as the customer experience. Is that, is that what you're about? Is that what you believe in? Is that the evolution you see unfolding? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, so it starts with, you know, we're human beings, right? And I think the important bit is not the human, actually, it's the being bit. We just, you know, that's, that's what we are. And um, work, you know, sort of in the 70s, 80s, obviously I'm far too young to remember that, but yeah, 80s, I probably was working by then, yikes. Um, uh, managers were about control and oversight and almost you, when you do that, you limit people. You know, if you think about it, only do what I say and how I, how I say it, you just go that, that makes no sense because what an organization wants to do is get the best out of people. And we are one human being, right? You are the same person when you're on this podcast as when you're at home with the family. And when you're talking to a client, you know, I'm the same person at home at work. Clearly there are professional boundaries, you know, I will dress differently at work. I 
you know, probably hug people a little less at work than I do at home. But ultimately, I am I am one human. And if you try and separate people, it's very confusing for them. It definitely doesn't get the best out of them. If you then think about how people behave, they behave how they're treated. So if you want your customers to have a great experience and for your people to know it's okay to support customers and always do the right thing and that your ethos as a company, and, you know, all companies have different ethoses, um, is to um, uh, say to people, look, look, try. And, and if you fail, that's fine. If you've, if, you've, if you've tried for the right reasons, you know, fail fast, learn, move on. Um, if you want people to do that with customers, then you have to show that it's okay to do that internally, because otherwise it's very confusing for people. So, I mean, certainly Metro Bank is a microcosm because it's it's such a small, you know, smallish business. You can get your hands around it. And it's only recently, you know, its history is very, is very recent. Um, uh, the, the ethos of customer service, you know, when I turned up at Metro Bank, I was like, well, how we treat, how we want people to treat our customers is how we've got to treat them. Everything that runs through the organization has to reinforce to people that if you put customers first, that's okay around here. So every, the way you describe stuff, every people intervention, every training intervention, how you lead, what you reward, what you recognize, what you address as an issue um, has to align to creating a great customer experience. And um I think that's what, you know, Metro Bank certainly did, did really well. Um, and, uh, that, you know, the sort of HR as, you know, almost personnel just policing the stuff that goes wrong. I mean, you know, if, if you just don't let anything go wrong in a business, you're never going to grow. You're never going to be successful. You won't find what, what your real talents are as an organization and the individuals in them. The purpose of, you know, my function is to, help the business be better through its people. So whatever it is it wants to achieve, um, uh, you know, so, so Aviva, our purpose is, is to, you know, with you today for a better tomorrow. Um, and every single thing that we do with our colleagues um, has to reinforce that. Otherwise, <laughs> what, what's the point? What's the point of us? And most, most organizations, their biggest outlay is their people. So if you don't have my function, saying, right, well, this is the biggest investment that we make in this organization. And it's the one with the most potential to leverage. I mean, you know, when you really see people fly, they can do amazing things. So how does my function, how does my profession make that magic happen? And, you know, from a career perspective, it's just such a brilliant, broad landscape because it's never done. There's always more you can do. There's always more you can you can. Um, do to make a difference to, to people and how they perform. It's lovely to hear you talk of this, this culture within Aviva. Um, and we'll come back to Metro Bank because that's, you know, one, one end of the spectrum in terms of its longevity in, uh, in, in the business community. And Aviva, almost at the opposite end of the, of the spectrum, been around for an awful long time. I suppose um, a question I would have for you, Danny, is how do you, you know, from, from the Metro Bank perspective, you, you build a business from the ground up. That's an awful lot easier then if you step into Aviva, even with all of your uh, career experience, and you have to change a culture. And I get loads of emails and questions from people listening to the podcast who kind of go, you know, we, we've got a disconnect between uh, what the shareholders want, and we're talking about a big business here, um, which is about profitability and revenue. And, and it's almost to the, to the detriment of culture. And there's this disconnect. We will do whatever it it takes to be more profitable and we kind of leave everything else behind. 
how difficult is it to build a new culture to you know build from the ground up versus well not from the ground up because that was at Metrobum how do you overhaul a business that maybe has a culture that is not commensurate with its value its beliefs its history um and it's and it's place in in the business world how, how difficult is that I think so I think changing culture is tricky it's definitely tricky the reason it's really tricky is because the only person whose behaviors you can change or control are your own right so I mean, it's, you know how do I make everybody stop you can't make everybody do anything you know this is not that's that's the wrong question I think the other challenge I would give though to some businesses where they go um you know our culture isn't or shareholders going our the culture in the organization I see isn't commensurate with with being profitable is just to remember back to that point that actually the you know the unique resource that you have as an organization is your people so the thing that's going to make you be really successful is your people there's a there's a i think there's an alignment um well, it's not a trick there's a there's a sort of an alignment rigor and discipline which is right what is it this organization wants to achieve um and how do we align everybody behind that you need to definitely recruit people who who you know want to come do that when you're when you're hiring you need to be thoughtful about it but in my experience most most you know people in most organizations really want to do a good job and be successful and support the business that they're part of so you need to give a sort of compelling vision and strategy that excites people um it has to be grounded in commercial reality because saying we just want everyone who works here to be happy is not sustainable because if the business doesn't continue the people can't work there and they won't be happy so you know the the fundamental building block of an employee employer relationship is a commercial one but i think what really successful businesses do is they say right okay it's a commercial relationship we're exchanging salary for labor at it, at its most basic point but on top of that we want to harness all of you to help us be brilliant, brilliantly successful. And we're all in this together. And then I think, you know, you need, you need a chief exec who can articulate strategy, tell the story, um, get investors and the board behind it. And I, you know, I have to say um, at Aviva, I think Amanda is just like world-class is such an overused, but I, she's really first class at that. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and then you need, uh, you know, my responsibility, my function has to align everything behind that. So how do you reward people? How do you hire people? How do you articulate the behaviors you expect? What do you do if people are great at it? What do you do if people aren't great at it? What do you do about your performance management system? Um, uh, the, I mean, the other area of the business that I think is really important, in some places this sits in the sort of HR function and in some places it sits elsewhere, is you know comms and internal comms. And again, this consistency. So the messaging needs to align. It's that whole... All of your people, if you think of them like sort of, you know, iron filings and then the, the organization strategy and vision and mission is like a magnet and it pulls everybody along, but not as a sort of, you know, there's some flex so that people can be at their best. Um, you need alignment with comms as well, both internal and external, because um, people can read newspapers, right? So if you say one thing internally and one thing externally, although probably newspapers are really old fashioned, aren't they? I'll just give them away my age. Uh, people will, will look at the news on, on, on their Instagram. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, this, this alignment, I think, is such a critical thing. Humans are really smart. And if you say one thing, 
and behave another, they go, so you're telling me the culture you want is for us to be customer focused. But every time I, um, you know, decide to do something that helps the customer that maybe reduces our profits slightly on a transaction, you give me a slap around the head. I know what you really mean. What what you're saying is not actually what you mean. And people will behave, you know, you get you get the behavior you reward, right? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Very great. I I, I um in preparation for this podcast today, Danny, because there will be a lot of people kind of going, oh, uh, chief people officer at Aviva. That's a bit off piste for the Sandro Forte podcast. And I'll tell everyone exactly why we wanted you as a guest, because we've received literally tens of thousands of emails with various questions. And the one recurring thing from small business to big business, and not everyone who listens is a business owner, but we do get a lot of questions, Danny, around, and I'll go back to a point you made just a moment ago about how do you hire people? People say to us time and time and time again, I, what, what do I, how do I find people? What, do I, what am I looking for if I'm looking to hire somebody that's going to be great for my business? And it is a question we get asked all of the time. And frankly, I don't know the answer. I mean, I've got a great, great team around me, but that was more by, by luck than judgment. Um, to an expert like you, what, what should we be looking for in terms of hiring the right people? Are there some prerequisites? Are there some absolutely must-haves? Are there some things you can't teach that have got to be there? Or do you shape, you know, do you want somebody that's got nothing that you can shape? I don't know. What, what are you looking for in a great hire? Yeah, I th- so I think there's a mix. The first one is, um, depending on the role, you do need someone who's got the actual capability to do it. Right. So I would I would really encourage people to, you know, take a bet on somebody, give someone a chance. You know, my first job in HR, someone gave me a chance. You all have been given opportunities in your life. And actually, I think as leaders, we have a responsibility to pay that stuff forwards. You know, where we see some talent, we see a spark of something um, to give to give people a chance. I think there is then the you need to know your organization really well and what you want to achieve. You know, this alignment point. Um you need to think about whether or not someone is going to flourish in your culture and in the organization you have. So um, if you have an organization that is very um, entrepreneurial, very easygoing, no rules, um, you, you know, people just collaborate, work it out. You haven't got much hierarchy. If you meet somebody for an interview and, you know, they're talking about the fact that they like frameworks and they like to understand what's expected of them you've probably got a pretty good bet that they're just, they might be brilliant at what they do, but culturally they might really struggle in your organization. That's fine. You can still hire them and you just need to, you're going to need to find a way of working with them to, to give them what they need. But so there's something about, you know, skills and capabilities, making sure they're aligned, they're excited about what it is you want to achieve, um, making sure they will flourish in your, in your culture um, and then uh, making sure they're not the same as everybody else. Now, that is a because because diverse teams are the strongest teams. Right. And that, of course, I'm talking about gender and ethnicity and, um, you know, social mobility. But actually, I'm, I'm just talking about it in the widest possible sense. If you if you have, you know, a bunch of people who are just a wonderful rainbow buffet smorgasbord of, of difference, uh, you will you will be more successful as a team and actually the people who you interview who maybe just just there's a little bit of you go god what an irritating question that's probably the person you should hire because they're going to they're going to nudge and provoke in the organization but but not to the extent that you get 
the sort of the sort of cultural rejection. So it is it's it's there's it's a lot of art, some science. You can help yourself on the science part by using assessment tools and um you know there are lots of firms who'll 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 offer to charge an enormous amount of money to help you um, assess people. Um, but I, I think the other thing is just, you know, a practical tip from an interview perspective is um, that when you interview people, you should interview people in the way that we're having this conversation. Because when you put people at ease, you see them and they go, okay, this is all right. Then you see the real person. Because if you interview people in an incredibly formal, limited way, um, that's you know so for example I you know I know there are lots of people who interview again I I would not condone this who almost the candidate you can see is like they're trying to catch me out and I, I'm like you've forgotten this is a two-way process this is not just our choice this is their choice too and actually we are interacting with them this is our brand that they're going to go away and talk about and you you know, if, if you go into an interview, I want to find the very best person who I think can flourish here and make a real difference in the organisation, who's going to be different and bring something we don't already have. Um, and during that process, if either a candidate or we or both decide they aren't for us, that when they walk away, I want them, if they bump into someone in the pub who they think would be brilliant for us, say, do you know what? You should go and work with Sandra Forte. I, I, we met. I had an interview with him and actually I wasn't right for the organization or he wasn't right for me or the timing wasn't right. Or the role wasn't quite, quite there, but you would, you would love him that you, you, you know, in the same way that from a customer advocacy, you'd want the same thing that you, you get the same thing from an employee advocacy as well. I'm just wondering how I'm doing then with this interview. You're doing have really the, well. Have, have I got the job yet? You're doing beautifully. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if, uh, if I do struggle in life, uh, in, in the short term, I will definitely be in touch. Um, when we when we were conducting our research, Danny, and, and I promise we weren't stalking you, but we do like to do our research. I saw some advice given um, where you say, and I, and I think I'm right in quoting, HR needs to avoid getting carried away with clever stuff. Do you want to tell us about that particular quote? I think um, there are some... Uh... HR teams I've seen, and you know, I, I should. I'm probably gonna. I'm gonna come off every other CHRO or CPO's Christmas list, aren't I? At this point, there are some brilliant people in our profession. There really are, but I also think sometimes, um, as a, as a function as a profession, we sometimes I see people going, "Oh God, how do I demonstrate I add value in this business?" That they they want to show something new and shiny. I know what. I'll launch an initiative. And the, the challenge with that is that the business is going right. What we really need to focus on is um, simplicity or cost control or um, driving up our customer experience. You know, that the business is thinking about that. And then HR comes along, you know, opens the door dramatically, dry ice, walk on music, uh, smoke machine, all that sort of stuff, and goes, I've got this brilliant new, fantastic development program or talent program. And it doesn't bear any resemblance to what it is the organization needs to achieve. So what does the organization need to achieve? How do you equip people to help the business do that better, quicker, more efficiently, cheaper? You know, that's that's what we should be doing. Now, that will involve designing new interventions, of course, but they should be so commercially relevant that everyone goes, 
that makes sense. Thanks very much. Not, oh, wow, that's very shiny and it looks very impressive, but when am I going to find the time to do it? To business owners out there, small and big, because we're not just talking about, you know, multinationals, FTSE 100 companies, but all the people out there, whether they are working, you know, with one or two individuals, whether they're working with a big team, whether they're just starting out in business, whatever it might be, and I'm thinking about Metro Bank, your experience there, Aviva and Lloyd's and all the other organizations you've worked for. Are there any kind of rules, quick wins, simple business mantras that people can kind of think about when looking to build a culture in their business, Danny? And I know that's a, a very open-ended question because we could go in a million different directions with that one. But are there, are there some quick fixes? And I'm not talking about papering over the cracks. I'm talking about the fundamentals. You've talked about you know, hiring the right people. But internally, you know, systems, processes, IT, um, communication with customers, what are, what are some of the things that you could perhaps suggest, tangible takeaway in mind, um, that people could think about in terms of building a culture? And I know culture is different things to different organizations, but are there any, any kind of rules, to basic rules to live by? So um, culture, I think you need to decide in your mind what culture is. And I've always said it's just the way people behave around here, right? It's behaviours. It's what you see. It's what you hear in the organisation. Um, start with what do you want? What's what's the purpose of your business? What do you want to achieve? And then go, OK, what kind of a culture would I see in here in a business that does that and does it really well? Um, articulate it in terms of behaviors so so i mean this i'm gonna we're getting a bit sort of hre here which is um please stay with us this will get practical again you know people remove, talk about remove uh, remove all sharp objects from yes, from your yes, local area yeah, from the, from the vicinity yourself. it's gonna be all right um people talk about values versus behaviors right and values are things like integrity which is the most overused word in any company because if, if right everyone who doesn't have integrity stick your hand up right everyone thinks they have integrity um most people do have integrity. Um, uh, so the values, the thing is you can't see someone's values. What you can see is how they behave. So I would lose the values really, you know, if, if, if you're kind of starting on the basics of this stuff um, or certainly make sure that your values are underpinned by behaviors, what you can see in here, describe them in a clear, simple way, and then weave them through everything you do. So, when people start on day one, do you articulate the values to them? Do leaders demonstrate the values? Um, it runs through all your training. It runs through your recruitment process. It runs through your reward. Um, uh, that you, if somebody does not behave in the way that you expect, you deal with it. And when you build all of that, this is probably the most important thing, you will never get it perfect. And humans aren't perfect, right? We're, we're, we're sort of wonderful, different people. 80% um, is good enough. It really is good enough. It doesn't need to be perfect at all. 80% is good enough, but relentlessly align everything to those behaviors and try not to change them too often. Don't, you know, so 80% is good enough. Unless your business changes its strategy dramatically, they're good enough. They're good enough. It's fine. Now just crack on and deliver. I love that. I love that. Be the best you can be. Don't concentrate on being the best necessarily because you'll, only set yourself up for disappointment. I'm going to ask you another question. Continuing that theme, uh, with, with your CV, you are best equipped to, to answer this particular question. And it's really topical. Again, we get some questions on this. Um, so I get it. The culture. Um, I love being part of a community, a great, vibrant team in an office. 
but not everyone can work in an office at the moment. So I know that you are um, an advocate, but also you have an enormous amount of experience around hybrid working. So if we can, we just talk about that for a couple of minutes, because a lot of people find that challenging. Some of some people are absolutely loving the fact that they can spend some of their time from home. But uh, again, what would you say about maintaining a culture when you've got people you know, working from home? We have seen, and I'm not going to mention names, but I've come across personally a number of organizations, and I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast has recently come into contact with a company who seems to offer a completely different outcome to the one that they did pre-COVID because you know, the phone system doesn't connect to the next person and they can't, you know, interact with another human being and the, the IT system doesn't work properly and everything's on a 30-day turnaround. I mean, that must be a massive challenge, right? But does it also present an opportunity? And if so, what advice would you give to people who are currently juggling the whole, I want to work in an office environment, you know, and, and benefit from that culture, but at the same time, can we still create a culture in a different way? Um, so in other words, what I'm asking you, Danny, is does the culture pervade simply being in one place altogether? Yeah, I so I think if you have an established organization with a strong culture, it can cope. So I mean, I think Aviva did, you know, all of our people did an amazing job of staying part of Aviva during um the lockdown. And because we're we're office-based, everybody was was, you know home for a, for a good chunk of time um i you know i think if I, if we'd been a new business it would have been it would have been more challenging but even as aviva with sort of 325 years of of heritage that goes into that culture and lots of people who are really experienced and long serving who could carry it um we uh spent a lot of time dialing up comms encouraging leaders to um increase the frequency of conversations and check-ins and one-to-ones. And we also, in the, you know, we layered in the organisations lots of opportunities for people to just feel part of the Aviva family, you know, big, big Aviva family quizzes, webinars on dog behaviour, just loads of stuff to say, we're here for you, we've got you, we know we can't be physically together, but, you know, we're, 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 we're present. Now that, um, you know, currently, uh, certainly in... England people can go back into um, offices. Um, I am really passionate that people spend a reasonable amount of time physically together because that brings you know the the basis of the relationship is a is a commercial one, salaries for labor. You can sit at home and and work and not connect to the organization and not get the learning and the development and the innovation and the culture and um, but to when you get people together and I see I see look that this is such an emotive issue because lots of people are really enjoying working from home but I worry that work is becoming just work and not a career and a community and um a place where I have friends and you know create relationships and because it's so much it's I think it's so much more than that you spend so much of your time doing it I think the joy, the joy of doing it is important. I know the balance of not having to commute. I mean, you know, you can see me. I'm I'm at home today. I was in the office Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, my diary today, it made no sense for me to be in the office because most of the time I'm I'm talking to people on a screen anyway, because they're not where I am. So, you know, be at home today. But I, I think that we we run a risk of in a few years looking back and going, God, work seems 
very transactional in some in some businesses. The the I think the other thing I, development, especially for people who are really relatively early on in their career, terrifies me. If if everybody's separate, um, and then the sort of uh, the gender point. My my experience, vague sweeping generalization coming up is that women tend to take caring responsibilities more than men. Just, you know, it's society. No one's doing anything right or wrong. It's just, it's just society. Um, that if we say to people, just, you know, just, just work at home all the time, that if women tend to do that more than men and men tend to be more present and therefore more front of mind and therefore males tend to get promoted more than women, that would be a terrible shame as well. And I, I just worry that sometimes um, people are going, oh, the flexibility, you know, I'm a working mom. The flexibility really helps me. I'll be at home more. I just, you know, I think we all need to be thoughtful about what the sort of quid pro quo is of that potentially as well. I, I've, got, I've got a couple of quick questions for you before we go. I mean, I, I doubt there's a Danny Harmer Chief People Officer website, but how do people connect with you? Are you on social media? We had a bit of a laugh about this at the top of the show. Um, how do people connect with you, Danny, to find out more about, you know, where you are, what you're doing? As, are you are you are you visible? I'm visible on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also visible on on uh, Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at Harmer Williams, um, which is a which is a mashup of my maiden and married names. Um, and uh, I mean, if you want to see photos of irrelevant stuff, I'm on Instagram on this on the same thing. Um, uh, but you know. Generally, there's there's not the, the Instagram feed is a little is a little weak, uh, but, but um, uh, LinkedIn is LinkedIn or Twitter. You can certainly find me there. Photographs of irrelevant stuff. What a great way of uh, of explaining Instagram to people. Uh, final question, Danny. Final question. Um, we ask our guests one question, and it's the only common question we ask all our guests. And of course, you've listened to all 182 podcasts that have gone before, so you know what's coming. Um, <laughs> I'd love to think that that were true. So um, the question really is, if one of the kids, Theo, let's say, came up to you one day and said, Mummy, uh, given all of your experience in life and business, all the things you stand for, all the things you're passionate about, if there were one single piece of advice you could give to me, a, a kind of a rule that I could live my life by that transcended all others, what would the one piece of advice be? It would be find what you love and do that. There's a brilliant, brilliant quote by Tennessee Williams, um, which has some some rather fruity swearing in it. And um, basically what he says is find the thing that just makes you, you know, feel brilliant and make sure that you do that as part of your life. And I genuinely believe there is a career that does that for everybody. I'm familiar with that quote. And you edited that beautifully as you went along. <laughs> You've done <laughs> <laughs> you've done you've done a viva share price no harm today danny <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being a, a really wonderful guest it's been um it's been on a, a joy a pleasure speaking to you and thank you for sharing so openly so many you know great sound bites and, and ideas and tangibles that so many people all around the world are going to take away from this podcast today so on behalf of all those listening thank you so much thank you very much and you definitely got the job as an interviewer by the way <laughs> Very, you're very kind. And to all of you out there listening, I mean, this wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you. So thank you to listening to the Sandro Forte podcast. Um, I'm sure you agree. Danny Harmer was just one of the best guests we've had on the show. So effervescent, absolutely lovely. Remember each week, though this will be difficult to top, I'm sure, uh, feel for the person that follows this one, 
We've got a new guest, uh, guest, 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 whatever, joining us to share their own, see, you can tell this is live, uh, to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. Please make sure you subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the one we've just talked about. And do let me or indeed Danny directly know what you thought of today's podcast. If you've got a question for Daniel for us, it's hello at sandrospodcast.com. And please remember, leave those reviews on iTunes. We really do like them because it allows us to find out a little bit more about what you'd like from guests in the future. Finally, connect with me. It's Sandro Forty on Twitter and uh, the, at Sandro, at, at the real Sandro Forty on Instagram. Um, and until this time next week, uh, thank you very much once again for listening and have a great rest of the week. <laughs>